Hey everyone, welcome to That You May Know Him, a podcast where we are committed to proclaiming biblical truth that helps you know Christ better than ever before. What's up, guys? This is Blake, host of the That You May Know Him podcast, and welcome back to Two for Ten, the show where we study the Bible one book at a time, one verse at a time. On today's episode of Two for Ten, we have come to the place, the place in Scripture where the appearance of Jesus Christ is described in detail. It is powerful, it is exciting, and it is incredibly, incredibly significant. That's what's coming up today on 2 for 10, 2 for 10, 2 for 10. So let's get it going. All right, guys, Revelation chapter 1 verses 14 and 15 are the verses that we're looking at today. Remember, in our last episode, the last thing we encountered in verse 13 was one who looked like the Son of Man. It truly was the Son of Man standing in the midst of seven golden lampstands. As we'll see as we get further on in this book, the seven golden lampstands represent the seven churches that are addressed in the book of Revelation. We also heard a little bit about the clothing that Jesus is wearing in this book, how he had on a long robe and a golden sash around his neck. And we talked about how this is either an allusion to Jesus as a high priest or an allusion to him as a judge, or maybe even perhaps both. In today's verse, we're going to actually learn about his physical appearance. So let's look at this verse, Revel- these two verses, Revelation chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 go like this. Today, I'm only going to read the two verses that we're looking at. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. That was Revelation chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. I'll have you know, there are only three places, maybe four, but at best definitively three places in Scripture where Jesus' physical appearance is described. Now, this has long been a topic for debate. Even today, it's gotten more polarizing recently with all of the issues surrounding race and ethnicity that are going on, especially in the West. People want to talk about Jesus was black, Jesus was white. Jesus was actually probably a brown-skinned man because he was Israeli. He lived in the Middle East. We know what people who live in this part of the world look like and have looked like for years. But the point is this, Jesus' physical appearance throughout his life here on earth was never, ever a topic of great importance. Like I said, there's only three places in the Bible where the appearance 
of Jesus is mentioned. And two of those places happen to be from the Old Testament, from the book of Isaiah. They're prophetic passages about Messiah. Remember that I told you that nearly every single verse in this book either references or quotes the Old Testament? I wasn't kidding. Nearly every verse we've studied, we've gotten back into the Old Testament. And today is going to be no different. Let me tell you what Isaiah says about the appearance of Messiah. Both of these passages are from the same prophecy. We're going to look at Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 52 in that order. But remember, Isaiah didn't write chapters. He wrote one single book. And so when you read it in its original context and when you read the original language, you realize that it's one prophetic passage, even though it spans multiple chapters in our current Bibles. The first passage I want you to look at is Isaiah 53. It goes like this. This is a passage about Messiah written years before he came. That he would have no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. In other words, what Isaiah is saying is that when Messiah comes, he's not going to look any different than any other person. He's not going to stand out. He's not going to be some walking Herculean Hulk, some GQ model where everybody goes, oh, wow, that must be the Son of God. That must be the Messiah. No, no, no. That's not how it is. And in fact, we see this all through Scripture. If you remember when the prophet Samuel went to anoint the next king of Israel from among the sons of Jesse, he was deceived multiple times. Even that righteous prophet Samuel was deceived by the outward appearance of men. He looked at Jesse's oldest son, who was a big, strong lad, and he thought to himself, this must be the next king of Israel. And it was at that moment, this is 1 Samuel 16, if you're wondering, that God sort of actually second Samuel, my bad, that God rebuked Samuel. And he said to him, don't be deceived by his outward appearance. You're a man and you look on the outward appearance, but I'm God and I look on the heart. Contrary to Greek mythology, where we see the son of God, Hercules, being this man of great stature and great physical strength, Jesus had nothing special about his bodily appearance. Now, the next time we see Jesus' appearance mentioned in the Bible is, like I said, from the same prophet, from the same prophecy, in fact. It actually comes before the one we just read. This prophecy is about how the Messiah would be pierced, pierced for our transgressions. That's ultimately and finally what this prophecy is about. But partway through the prophecy, it actually talks about how Jesus would be beaten. And we know that leading up to his crucifixion, Jesus was beaten in a way that we can't even imagine. He was literally beaten to a pulp. And that's an expression that we hear often, but if you really think about it, it's a very graphic expression. And it's one that's very fitting. Jesus was beaten. He was tortured to a pulp. This is not an accident. It wasn't a mistake or a coincidence. Isaiah the prophet told us it would happen regarding Messiah. He says this in Isaiah 52. His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. This is talking about the fact that Jesus would be, and in fact was, so brutally beaten that he didn't even look like a human being. 
People didn't look at Jesus when he was up on the cross and say, who is that? They looked at him and said, what is that? That's how badly Jesus' physical body was broken. Now, we come to the part in Scripture that describes in even greater detail, in greater detail than any of these prophecies, what Jesus looks like. But it doesn't describe his physical appearance when he was alive on earth. It describes him in his resurrected form. And Jesus has some very, very, very important features that we need to talk about. The first two are that he has hair on his head that is white, like white wool, like snow, and that his eyes are like a flame of fire. That's Revelation 1.14. What does it mean that Jesus' hair, the resurrected Christ that John beheld, his hair is white as snow. My friends, I believe that this is sort of a buildup to something that Jesus is going to himself say in just a couple of verses from now, once we get to verse 17. It's coming up really soon. Jesus refers to himself. The first words that he speaks in this book, he refers to himself as the first and the last. This expression, this phrase, this description of Jesus that his hair is white as snow is a direct reference to the fact that Jesus is the ancient of days. In fact, if you're wondering, in Daniel chapter 7, another very important prophet, you can't escape the prophets if you're studying this book, we're told that the ancient of days, Yahweh, has hair white as snow, hair like white wool. So there you go. My friends, this is a direct reference to the fact that Jesus is Yahweh. And Jesus is referred to as Yahweh all through the New Testament, both directly and indirectly. This, I would say, is an indirect reference because it doesn't use the words specifically. But Jesus Christ himself, make no mistake about it, says, I am the first and the last. What are some of the direct references that I'm mentioning where Jesus is referred to as Yahweh? Well, I told you it's all through your New Testament. The first one is found right in the very beginning of the Gospels. Read Matthew, Mark, or Luke, and you'll surely encounter it very, very early on. There was a man called John the Baptizer who came. He was a relative of Jesus, and he came to prepare the way of the Lord. In fact, he said, he said of himself, I am the voice that is crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make a straight path in the, in the desert. What is this exactly? What is this a reference to? John the Baptist was quoting none other than the prophet Isaiah. He was quoting Isaiah chapter 40, another prophetic passage about the Messiah from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah said that there would come before the Messiah a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare, prepare, prepare the way of the Lord. So then hundreds of years later, here comes John the baptizer saying, I am that voice. That's talking about me. Isaiah the prophet, when he said there's a voice crying in the wilderness, that's referring to me. And what am I declaring to you? This is what often gets lost in translation, sadly. 
John quotes the prophet Isaiah word for word. Prepare the way for Yahweh. Cut, literally cut a straight path or a straight highway in the desert for our Elohim, for our God. That's what John the Baptist said his job was to prepare the way for Yahweh. And that's what he did by quoting the prophet Isaiah and by baptizing people with the baptism of repentance and by declaring very openly, the one who comes after me is greater than me because he was before me. Even though we know that John was born before Jesus was. What's another direct reference to Jesus being referred to as Yahweh in the New Testament? I told you he's referred to as Yahweh all through the New Testament. But another direct reference is found all throughout John's gospel. When Jesus, always having these encounters with the Pharisees, with the Jews, with religious leaders, and constantly telling them about himself, constantly affirming his identity by saying things like, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the true vine. I am the bread of life. I am, as you know, if you've been following this series, is part of, it's a reference to, definitely, God's divine and holy name, Yahweh, which means I am who I am. I will be who I will be, I am the always. And at one point, Jesus actually says, in the midst of making all these amazing statements when they're asking him, are you the son of God? Are you the son of God? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then in the midst of saying that, he says, and I and the father are one. We are one. This is in fact a direct reference to the most famous passage in the entire Old Testament and in all of Judaism. It's from Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's called the Shema. It goes like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is Echad, oneness. The Lord our God is oneness. And Jesus comes along and says, in response to people saying, are you the Son of God? He says, I and the Father are oneness. We are Echad. We are we. I and the Father, he says, in the Greek text, it says, ego eimi, I am, and I and the Father are esmos. We are we. I and the Father are we. In other words, we're one. We are echad. We are the epitome of singularness. We are oneness. What are some of the indirect references to Jesus being referred to as Yahweh? Perhaps the most famous one is from John chapter 1, where John tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that same Word became flesh and dwelt among us. John goes on to tell us that he was before all things, that the world was made through him, and he says that in him was life. In Jesus Christ was life, and the life was the light of all people, of all men. Also in Colossians chapter 1, the other probably similarly famous indirect reference to Jesus as Yahweh. We learn from that passage that Jesus is before all things, and by him all things consist and hold together. My friends, all through the New Testament, we see Jesus being referenced to, being described as, and even he himself acknowledging 
that he is a adequate recipient of this divine name, Yahweh. He is Yahweh. He and the Father are one. And it's no different in the book of Revelation when he says, I am the first and the last. And the reason that Jesus' hair in his resurrected body when he appeared to John is as white as snow is because he is, in fact, the Ancient of Days. He is before all things. He himself affirms as much in the next couple of verses when he speaks. What do we make of the fact that Jesus' eyes are like flames of fire? I love this part. I believe that this is simply a direct reference to the fact that Jesus has incredible insight. His eyes are like flames of fire because they're penetrating, because they know all things, because Jesus not only walks among the seven churches that this letter is written to, but he is intimately, intimately acquainted with every detail of their lives, even their very struggles. If we move on to verse 15, we read that his feet are like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice is like the roar of many waters. Let's talk about his feet first. His feet are like bronze, are like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. I think there's two very significant meanings to this. First of all, all through the Bible, fire is seen as sort of like representing the way that God refines his people, the way he tests his people for the purpose of refining them. Jesus did not escape this. In fact, Jesus endured it more than anybody else who's ever lived. We learn from the book of Hebrews that Jesus is fit to be our high priest because he has already endured every temptation that human humanity, human beings, will ever or could ever endure. That's why he's fit to not only be our high priest and to make intercession for us, it's also why he was fit to be our sacrifice and to atone for our sins by giving his life on our behalf. The fact that his feet are a metal, burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, but they're, they're this metal, I think, is an indication that Jesus is steadfast. He is unmovable and unshakable. He is all-powerful, but he is also the most reliable being, the most reliable thing thing in all of creation, in all the universe. Jesus is dependable. You can trust in him and rely on him more than anything else because he doesn't move. He's unmovable and unshakable. Lastly, what do we make of the fact that his voice is like the roar of many waters? We've already been told that Jesus' voice sounds like, to John, it sounded like a trumpet, a loud, piercing sound that one day everybody in all the world will hear the same trumpet at the exact same time. The trumpet truly is, I believe, the instrument of heaven. Now we're told that Jesus' voice is not only like a trumpet, loud and piercing, it's like the roar of many waters. When you think of something that sounds powerful. What do you think of? People often think of horseback, of, of, of horses, of horses running. Say an army of a thousand horses was running right towards you. Do you think you would hear that? I think you would. 
and it would sound awfully powerful. In fact, terrifying. Something similarly or even more terrifying than that. Some would say it even sounds like similar to the sound of a thousand horses charging toward you is the sound of rushing water. Think of a powerful waterfall. I'll never forget being a kid and going to Yosemite every summer with my parents to camp and hiking up Yosemite Falls. And as you get higher and higher and the mist is descending on you, you get wetter and wetter as you go up. It gets slipperier, more slippery as you go. But even more than that, what you notice is that the sound of the water gets louder and louder and louder to the point where you can barely hear the person standing next to you. The reason that Jesus' voice sounds like the roar of many waters, it sounds like an unstoppable, powerful force, is because that's who Jesus is. He is the one who is all powerful. We see Jesus through the Gospels, not his physical appearance. It's never described, but we see him as being very powerful. He does the works of God, but he is one who came to lay down his life, to model for us what self-sacrifice, what service, what true love really is. One who laid down his life for his brothers and for his friends. But you see, the resurrected Jesus he looks very different. It's very pronounced and it's very meaningful. Jesus is not any longer seen on heaven or in earth, in heaven or on earth, as a tender shepherd, as one who is meek and mild. Jesus now is seen in heaven and on earth as the one who is all-powerful. He is an immovable force. He is not just reliable, he is utterly and completely dependent because he is never shaken and nothing can even compare to the power that he possesses. So much so that when he looks you in the eyes, his eyes are like flames of fire. And when you hear his voice, it sounds like the roar of a powerful waterfall. My friends, this is the same Jesus who is advocating for the lives of his people before the throne of God the Father, even right now. This is the Jesus who we serve, who we love. He is all-powerful, he is mighty, and he is worthy of all of our love and all of our devotion. And I hope for you, you recognize that he is worthy of your worship. My friends, that is all the time we have for today. This has been Two for Ten, Part Nine. This has been Revelation 1, 14 and 15, where we see the most detailed description of Jesus anywhere in the Bible, the risen Christ. His hair is white like snow. His eyes are flames of fire. His feet are like bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice is like the roar of many waters. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I hope He's your Lord too. Thanks for listening and watching. I'm Blake Barbera signing off. I'll be back later on this week for podcasts for more 2 for 10. Until then, stay blessed, live loved, and thank you for watching and listening to That You May Know It.
The That You May Know Him podcast is produced by That You May Know Him Ministries, Durham, North Carolina. You can visit our website at thatyoumayknowhim.com. Oh, 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 oh,